0: Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Sylvester and we've got a fun episode coming up, but first I want to remind you all about the sweepstakes we have going on right now thanks to one of our sponsors, pristineauction.com. Pristine Auction has signed jerseys, signed helmets, and all kinds of great memorabilia to bid on with hundreds of items being auctioned off every day and we landed an Antonio Brown signed jersey that we're giving away. All you have to do to enter the contest is rate and review us on iTunes, then send a screenshot to contest at fantasypros.com. When you do that, you'll be entered into all giveaways for the rest of the season, and I know what one's coming up next. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about, so get it in now. You'll be entered for all these, and in the meantime, please support Pristine Auction by taking a look at what they have for you, and please make sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. All right, on to the show. guys and gals, I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere, and this is the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast.
1: Tags, what's going on? Nothing much, man. It's funny, you just talked about the pristine auction thing. I was on a podcast yesterday, it was like a video format, and uh, so they, they saw the helmets behind me. They're like, whoa, where'd those come from? And it kind of, it was really, it's really neat. It's a conversational piece, so I thought it was cool yeah. um, to talk about. It's just, I was buying helmets from there before they were even our sponsors, so uh, it's pretty cool. I am uh, looking forward to this show. I'm also looking forward to the next giveaway we're doing, uh, as you know.
0: I need to like fix up my office. I've got like kids marble towers behind my desk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we're going to be covering backup running backs. We're going to do the name that player game, then talk some auction strategy. And we're joined today by fantasy pros featured writer, jokester, and all around great guy, Dan Harris. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Not bad, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You'll notice I'm trying to butter you up so that when you come on the, the baseball podcast next time, you'll give me easier trivia questions. Um, for those of you who don't listen to the baseball podcast, I usually ask the trivia questions, but we flipped it around last time so Dan, we could get Dan back on the show. That was his condition. He asked like the hardest questions <laughs> in the world. Didn't even give me multiple choice, so I had to try really hard, and fortunately, I happen to remember that Babe Ruth held the single-season record for total bases with 457 in 1921. I mean, who knows that stuff? Uh, otherwise, I mean, the listeners would have thought I didn't know anything, but Dan tried to make my life really hard, and, um, you know, we're going to be doing a contest today. Uh, Dan, are you excited about this? No.
2: Not even a little bit. Um, You know, I, I enjoy the trivia aspect of it. But, I mean, obviously, we're all kind of analysts, so we ask tough questions. So I feel like I always feel dumb at the end. So it was nice to be able to turn the tables on you in the baseball podcast. But certainly when I saw that there would be some sort of name that player thing again this time, I was not excited. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that makes me so happy. I love
2: listening to it when you guys do it to other people, but when I'm on, I, I'd rather skip it. But that's cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with the punches.
0: Everyone's like plotting against me to try to break up my undefeated record with the name that player. I mean, Tags is like tailoring the questions toward your skill set. I guarantee it. And Clinton, he's our producer, scheduled it right when I eat lunch. But I'll tell you guys, I'm ahead of the curve. My stomach is all filled up with some hot sauce soup today. I'm ready to roll.
1: Oh, God. Hot sauce soup. You and your food takes are horrible, man. You just need to, to stop eating altogether. Well, I man, like, I, what do
0: you call it? When you have chicken noodle soup, it's because the main ingredients are chicken and noodles. Mm-hmm. So, like, when your base is hot sauce, what what do you call it?
1: That's a good question. I guess it depends on what else is in there. If it's just hot, hot sauce, sauce soup. soup, that's weird. Ah.
2: I don't know, man. Last time I was here, we were talking about artichokes on our pizza, and that was really bummed me out for like a week, so I, I don't know what we're going to do with <laughs> hot sauce soup over here.
1: Everybody that comes on agrees with us on that one, Dan. Nobody really yeah. likes Bobby's take on that, and, and now hot sauce soup. I think I think we just need to move forward to the football questions. Dan. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let's just
2: get going. This is so the
1: thing is, so so basically, the readers, like, if there's listeners out there, and you've been reading my articles. You're probably going to catch on to some of these Name That players, because now it's like I'm starting to put all this information that we talk about on the show into Article 4 You know, if you guys haven't seen, I've been doing player profiles like nonstop. So some of this stuff is from there. Some of it's from different articles. So hopefully you guys have been reading up and uh, figuring out what it is that these players are. So if you guys are ready, I'm going to start with uh, we have three players. As you guys, if you guys have never heard this show before, it's called Name That Player. I'm going to give hints to these two and uh, I'm going to let them kind of hash it out and figure out whoever gets it first. They obviously get the point for that. It's best of three. So Bobby is somehow undefeated. So Dan, can I have you step up this episode Please. I'll try,
2: I'll try, but uh, I, I could
1: not hate this more, but I'm ready, I, I'm, I'm focused, I'm ready to go, let's do it. All right, here we go. First player, I saw a target on 31.2% of my routes in 2016, which was by far the most in the NFL. By comparison, the best wide receiver in the game, Julio Jones, was targeted on just 27% of his. So we're talking about a 4% increase in terms of targeted on his routes. Rob Gronkowski. Nope. Nope. I finished with fewer than 600 receiving yards, but somehow oh. snuck into the top 15 wide receivers.
0: Devontae Adams?
1: Nope. DeAndre Hopkins? Nope. I'm the number one wide receiver on my team, though I may not be made for that. Travis Kelsey? Nope. I used to play special teams, but not Golden anymore. Golden Nope. What is going on here? I have gold teeth. <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> it, should, it should help. It should help. I play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyreek Hill? Yes. Thank goodness. Yes. Tyreek Hill was targeted on 31.2% wow. of his routes in 2016. Are you kidding me? No, that was definitely the most uh, among any wide receiver. And he was a top 15 receiver despite having fewer than 600 receiving yards. That's, uh, that's madness.
2: I honestly just did not believe that he was targeted.
0: Yeah, at that's that's what I, I was that thinking was really too. Really, what
2: it was, honestly, when I was pausing, I was just like, "Well, I can't be." But basically, by
0: process of elimination, there was nobody else left on the Chiefs. I so thought I happen. thought for a second, like Chris Conley, because he's amazing, mm-hmm. you know, he's <laughs> better than Tyree Hill. But I was like, "Oh, he didn't." Your he didn't have that. many with touchdowns. Chris Conley, by the
2: way, is one of the most bizarre things that I've ever is, seen in it's, fantasy. It's, it's right? disturbing. It's weird. It's very it is. weird.
1: It is. I hope it pans out for him though. It's
2: the artichoke hearts on pizza of fantasy takes. I mean, if, I
1: mean? if Bobby can get Kevin White and Chris Conley on the field at the same time, like I'm pretty sure that Bobby would never come out of his room.
2: Yeah, I really hope both those guys <laughs> blow up this year because you'll go down as a fantasy football legend no matter what you do for the rest of
0: your fantasy he would. career. It's 100%
1: true. If Absolutely. you throw enough stuff in the wallet, well, something'll stick. All right, you guys ready for player number two? Yes.
0: All Probably right. not, man. I'm so humiliated after that last one. I mean,
1: Dan beat me on one question. I don't, yeah, well, I I'm, don't know. I'm I don't, not proud of that one this.
2: either, so
0: let's go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You guys better be able to get this one before I tell you what team he plays for. Um, I've seen 26 red zone targets over the last two years and have scored In each of the last two years? No, no. Over the last two years combined, and I have scored 16 touchdowns on Dr. those 26 Monkrieg. targets. No. I rank just 21st in targets among tight ends over the last two years, but I've actually scored 18 touchdowns in that time, which is more than any other tight end in the league. Kyle Rudolph. Nope. Jordan Reed. Nope. I've only played 21 Delaney Walker. games in the last two years. Jordan. No,
0: you already said Jordan Reed. Oh,
1: crud. There are actually just four wide receivers who have scored more touchdowns than me over the last two years, despite me playing just 21 games. Antonio Gates. Nope. With all that being said, I ranked just 16th in yards among tight ends over the last two years, making people question where I'm being drafted. Jimmy Graham? Nope. I played for Eifert? the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, yes. Right. You did it right as I was about to say that. So Dan, wow. wow. Dan takes the second one.
2: At- I mean, there there are like four tight ends left in the game, frankly. So I although yeah. I am winning, I take no pride in, in winning. Oh, I mean, I guess a little pride, <laughs> but not really.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Pro- okay. That makes
0: sense. It's, it's a conspiracy.
1: It's yeah. a conspiracy. All right. So Bobby, I'm going to give you last chance. So you don't, you're not shut out. We have one more player. Here. <laughs> all right. I didn't catch 40 passes last year and I finished with less than 500 receiving yards, but I finished top 12 at my position and no, I'm not a running back.
0: Top 12 in his position. Uh, Kobe Flaner.
1: Nope. My 53 targets ranked 27th at my position and I was and I was out targeted by a guy on my team almost two to one Martellus Bennett. Nope. Hunter Henry. Yes. Whoa. yes, Bobby didn't even get his own guy. Yes. I put that in there
0: for you, Bobby. Well, I mean, you didn't start with he's the greatest player ever, <laughs> so how am I supposed to know you're talking about Hunter Henry?
1: Bobby gets shut out on name that player. I never oh, thought that was
0: going to happen.
2: That one I will take, though. See, that one, we didn't have to go to the, the the guy's team, and we didn't have to go crazy and stuff like that. That one, especially because I felt like it was maybe set up there for Bobby. I've gotten some sort of inklings into the way we do trivia and stuff like that, and I felt like that one was set up for Bobby because it's his man crush. you know, on Hunter for you sure. Henry. We,
0: we knew you were getting really discouraged, Dan, right. so we set up this sweep so that you would, you know, get excited about it next time and, well, I and come appreciate on. It.
2: Okay, you you've got me now. I'll take it easy on you next time on baseball.
1: That's too funny. I know a lot of people wow. like this game. People have asked me where the game's gone, and we wanted to bring it back for you guys. That so, was Dan, horrible. Congrats, Bobby. Thanks. We, we need to get better.
0: That was horrible. <laughs>
1: yeah. I have nothing to say. I need to get. I need to get better.
0: You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are we? All, what else are we talking about? Today, I, I want to talk about Calvin Johnson. I got to pick your guys' brains about this. Okay, so we know. I don't know why he retired from the Lions, but do you guys think he might come back? I mean, we all know if he did, he'd still be a top 20 receiver, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, I, I'm, I don't know about you tags. I've seen him, you know, we just did the Scott fishbowl stuff with had 11 bench spots and I've seen him drafted basically at the end of all those drafts. I mean, personally, I'd be, I'd be totally shocked. And I, I don't really think there's any realistic chance. I mean, I'm all for mending fences and inviting him to camp to repair his relationship with the lines and everything like that. But I mean, he gave an interview in December where he was basically like his body is, man- you know, his finger is mangled and he might need some rare surgery. Apparently, my wife told me his ankle was still bothering him on Dancing with the Stars, but I, I can't attest to that. Um, you know, his knees, he talked about concussions and stuff like that. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch aside, the idea that he's going to be out of the game completely, I mean, it's different than Adrian Peterson when there's sort of like, you know, he's still planning to play. Guys who are out of the game and, and retired, I, I just I don't really think there's a realistic chance that he's going to come
1: back. Yeah, do I doubt for a second that Calvin Johnson could come back and be a top twenty receiver? No, I don't. I think Calvin Johnson is the best wide receiver of our generation. You know, like, well, I should say last generation, right? Because you know, I've had this conversation with people, and the fact that some people say his career wasn't long enough to be a Hall of Famer, and I say that's a bunch of BS because Calvin Johnson, you can't talk about the last ten years of football and not talk about Calvin Johnson. Like the guy was just dominant, and he and he still would be to a certain extent. Now, with that being said, you know, he said that he wanted to go to the Raiders, and if he went to the Raiders, no, he's not going to be a top twenty. Wide receiver because Amari Cooper's the goat and um, and Michael <laughs> Crabtree is is there no comment. steal a touchdown as, a, as as well but no in all reality I don't see Calvin Johnson coming back at all I don't think it's going to happen I I was sad when he retired but I've also made peace with that it's like don't come back Calvin like because don't do this to me again because. He, it really you know as a Bears fan I get to see every Lions game and you know in my market I, I watched Barry Sanders growing up I watched Walter Payton and so I got to see some of the greats and to see these guys walk away when they were still in their prime it was really sad but Calvin as Dan mentioned he's he was ailing his body was beaten down he there was a reason he walked away there are still uh, loopholes that they'd have to jump through with his contract with the Lions because he is technically still under contract and you know we worry about that with Marshawn Lynch Marshawn Lynch as Dan said you know he was a from the game. It's the same thing with Calvin Johnson. These guys are away from the game. Adrian Peterson was rehabbing an injury. He's been working this entire time. Marshawn Lynch was traveling the country. Calvin Johnson, I don't know what he's been doing. I, I, apparently dancing on the stars. I don't watch the show, but <laughs> that's apparently what he's with been doing. dancing the
2: stars, Mike, okay? If my wife is he listening to this and you said dancing on culture. the stars, she's gonna be, she is going to be pissed, so I'm yeah, just I saving <laughs> you, buddy.
1: <laughs> I, I don't I don't know much about pop culture. I, I, I will admit that, Bobby. I'm totally behind on that. Bobby is behind on um, culture in, in general but I'm, I'm behind on uh, pop culture
0: i don't know anything about pop culture i like a lot of the reviews that we get on itunes and uh By the way, remember to send in your reviews for the uh, Antonio Brown signed jersey giveaway. But a lot of the reviews we've got are like, I'm so glad you guys don't talk about pop culture. (laughs) And here we are. It's because I don't know anything.
2: Yeah. By the way, I do feel like we all have kids. I feel like you reach a point where all of a sudden you have kids and you just completely lose any sense of what is going on in like pop culture world. Right. I feel like I went from being like a young guy who kind of knew what was going on in the world outside of sports. And now I know absolutely nothing except Paw Patrol and Daniel Tiger's neighborhood and things like that. And that's for sure.
1: Yep. For sure. So, my I used to get up and watch NFL Network every morning, and now I get up and I watch Mickey Mouse, and my son makes me watch this uh you know, you guys know, like I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this, but Denver the Last Dinosaur. It was a it was a cartoon from when I like I was like a little kid. And um it's you know, on on YouTube you're able to watch all these videos and it's like the theme song. He sings along to this Denver the Dinosaur song. Like he like mouths to it. He he doesn't talk yet, but it is uh it puts him in a good mood in the morning. So that's what my morning is filled with yeah. yeah. That's right. That's
2: what our lives are like
0: now. <laughs> Guys, I want to comment on this Calvin Johnson thing really quick, especially the thing you said about him not belonging in the Hall of Fame. A lot of people don't realize this, but with how many years he played, if you take those years compared to Jerry Rice, first nine years or whatever it was, Calvin Johnson was better. He had a little bit less touchdowns because, you know, uh, Jerry Rice just happened to have Steve Young and Joe Montana throwing the football well Calvin Johnson had Dan Orlovsky or however you say his name and all these random guys Orlowski. but Calvin Johnson if he played as long as Jerry Rice could have been the best ever and i feel like Jerry Rice is the most untouchable best ever in any sport
2: Yeah i feel like generally with Hall of Fame there's kind of two ways to get in in either baseball or football one is you can have longevity right and you can you can rack up uh total stats and things like that that's one way but frankly if you are super elite, even if it's for a relatively short amount of time. And he played for a while. I mean, you know, he wasn't like a two year, you know, he was in the league for two years or anything like that. And he was absolutely 100 percent elite. One of the top two yeah. or three wide receivers in the game. Certainly that's got to get in. So he, he's obviously I, I mean, I haven't really followed it, frankly, but if there are people talking that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, that's. To me, that's just crazy talk. He's an obvious Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah. Tags, Dan, do you guys think that if Randy Moss came back today and Calvin Johnson, and we'll toss Terrell Owens in there as well, do you think all three of them would be top 30 receivers in football? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I think the game's passed past those guys. by, and, and it's not to say they couldn't play. And like Randy Moss, we saw him, you know, with the Titans towards, you know, and then the, the Patriots. Obviously, that's a different story. But I I think at some point we have to say enough's enough. And uh, these guys are just past the point. I think Calvin Johnson would be the one that I would bet on because he's still what is he 31 years old?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I still think I'd bet on Randy Moss.
1: That guy was pretty dang good. You know, yeah, he I, I sure like was. how you said that Jerry Rice was the most untouchable greatest of all time. And I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Jordan, to me, is uh, the, the greatest of all time unquestionably. I don't think
0: Jordan is the greatest of all time in basketball, though. That's, I think Bill is, Russell is.
1: Yeah, I think that, Bill Bill I,
0: Russell won eleven championships. He never lost a championship in high school, in college. He, he had 25 rebounds per game and eight blocks per game in the playoffs. He never lost a game seven.
1: He was on a pretty dang good team. I mean, I guess sure. Jordan was too, but, but at the same time, if you grew up watching Michael Jordan, you know what he was to the game of basketball. Like he was the game. But no, no. But I think, Anto- is there any like, so can you guys agree with me? I said this the other day and I said that Antonio Brown is someone that I don't think you should sell in Dynasty. I think you should ride until he's done with his career. Yep. Do you think that Antonio Brown can touch Jerry Rice in terms of talent? like like watching him you know he's a guy that he does so many things very 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 well and he's not calvin johnson he's not going to jump up over guys and stuff like that but rice wasn't that guy either can antonio Brown potentially play till he's 36 and post some some pretty phenomenal numbers
0: same skill set same work ethic and both of those are extremely rare yeah with that being said everything would have to go right right um it's possible, but you know, again, Ben Roethlisberger and, and Josh Jobs, who's probably going to take over the job next year, uh. are not Joe Montana and Steve Young.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that Antonio Brown, and I think Tags, you might have said this yourself. I mean, he he's not the type of guy. You know, he doesn't go, he doesn't take huge hits all the time. I feel like he's a guy who's going to probably age well, and he does have sort of a similar skill set. Rice, though, how productive he remained until his late years was was mm-hmm. so just bizarre, almost. You know yeah. what I mean? That I honestly couldn't predict. That any current wide receiver could ever continue to do that. But if there was one guy that could do it, it would be a guy like Brown for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and the time frame that he did it in. It's not like it was this uh this pass happy league or whatever. Correct. You know, defensive backs had a lot more leeway to play physical too. I, I think if you send an Antonio Brown back there, even if you put him with those Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I don't really think it's probably close. I think the stats for Brown might end up in the same neighborhood, but um, You know, probably not the touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I just pulled up Jerry Rice's numbers. It's just stupid. Like <laughs> from the age 36 to 40, he had three 1,000 yard seasons. Like that's right. just stupid. And yeah. that's
2: the deal, right? That That's the thing. You cannot at this point predict that for anybody, no matter how good they are. A guy like Brown, you just can't really, right, really move say, on. Exactly.
0: He's like the Bartolo Colonna football. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, God, <laughs> that is the worst. Com- that is the Bobby. I, I know it is.
0: <laughs> Okay, so we're going to hop over and talk about um, – what are we talking about? <laughs> All right, so we're going to hop over and talk about backup running backs here in a second. But first I want to step back and tell you about one of the sponsors of today's show, rtsports.com. That's real-time fantasy sports. They have everything you're looking for in fantasy football this year. They have award-winning commissioner services with fully customizable leagues, a killer app, and perhaps most exciting are their best ball and actively managed leagues. Get this. They're also legal operators in New York, Missouri, Colorado, and most states. So if you're bumming out on missing out on a lot of this action, you can likely still play rtsports.com slash pros. They've paid out millions to winners. Again, that's rtsports.com slash pros, and please be sure to type pros so they know we sent you. All right, guys, backup running backs, and you know, there's a lot of theory out there about the handcuff strategy in general. You know, whether or not you should handcuff your star players, whether or not you should get these you know, situations where we don't know who the starter is going to be and you just get the number 25 and 30 running back on the board from the same team. How do you guys feel about this general strategy? And then we'll talk about some of the players. Dan, you're first.
2: Um, I feel like as a general matter, people have pretty strong feelings about this. And I hate to say it, but I don't really. I mean, generally, I'm not like a handcuffed guy. I'm not a guy who kind of goes for the platoon. I think there are a few reasons. I mean, I think number one is we don't usually know who the handcuff is. We might think we do, but I mean, point. right last year, everybody wanted Charles Sims as Doug Martin's handcuff, but it was Jacques Rogers who wound up doing it. You know what I mean? Jamal Charles owner, they always took Niles Davis, but that was Kendrick West a couple of years ago who did it. So I feel like number one, even if we think we do, we don't always know who the handcuff is. Number two, it's tough to burn a roster spot for a significant amount of time, right? You draft a handcuff, that's fine. And if your guy gets injured in the first few weeks, that's great. You've got his backup, but frankly, If he doesn't, there are bye weeks. It's tough. It's tough to just burn a roster spot for a long period of time. So I feel like when I do it, I am usually wind up cutting them. And the third is, frankly, most handcuffs. You know, there are some Derrick Henry, obviously, guys like that. But most of them aren't all that good. And if they were, they would be starters. So you wait and you hold for the handcuff. But in the end, it doesn't really wind up working out. Now, I do think that there are certain times to do it. And I do it once in a while. D'Angelo Williams, obviously, for the past couple of years, was a little different last year because we knew Le'Veon Bell was going to miss some time. But yeah. there are certain times where you know that you we've seen him be successful on that team, in that scheme, in that offense. So we know, frankly, if Le'Veon Bell went down, we knew D'Angelo Williams was going to produce from a fantasy perspective. So from that sense, I could see it. But overall, I, I usually kind of just avoid the handcuff. Rather, would just go for whoever I think the best player is. And I'm not really a guy who kind of says, I don't know which one it's going to be, so I'll draft both of these guys. Because roster spots, draft capital is important. You know what I mean? Every draft selection they that you make it's important, and I'd rather not have to waste multiple spots trying to
1: chase one spot. Yeah, what do you think, tags? So the the difficult part here. There's two arguments. The one argument is that you know if you grab someone like James Conner he could win you the league if Le'Veon Bell goes down. I get that side of the argument. I really do because yeah, you know you. I do you want to take James Conner over someone like Cole Beasley? Cole Beasley is not going to help you win yes, your I league. Do. But they're going. That's what I'm saying is they're going in the same range. So I understand the argument for that. But I also understand understand the argument is that you don't want to bet on an injury. So if Le'Veon Bell let's say he doesn't get hurt in the first two weeks first three weeks you know like I don't know how far we have to go out to make this point but let's say it's the first three weeks okay he doesn't get hurt and you are literally keeping on James Conner on your bench when there's guys on the waiver wire over those first one or two weeks that is there are those are the most important weeks of your league to pay attention to the waiver wire because there's things that we may have missed in the depth chart let's say that Kevin White is all of a sudden the number one receiver for the Chicago Bears when everybody else was drafting Cameron Meredith as that guy all of a sudden Kevin White is going to be like the hot pickup you don't want to miss out on guys like that like Alan Hearns a couple years ago you know like he took off these are guys that you have to pay attention to year over year and if you have someone like James Conner on your bench you're not really going to want to drop him because you're like well I drafted him for this reason you're going to go back and forth with yourself
0: yeah I mean, if you're a stubborn person, it is not a good strategy it's for you. It's true.
1: I paid the price last year at Dante Moncrief and, and the fact that when he got hurt, I didn't want to drop him off my, my rosters and it really hurt my teams during the bye weeks because I had players that I didn't want to drop and I was stubborn like that. I learned a very valuable lesson in some high stakes leagues last year. So for me... I understand the argument more against drafting those guys, but at the same time, there's a different scenario in which, like, let's talk about Ezekiel Elliott right now. Darren McFadden is a guy that you'd want to draft. You know, he's starting to move up draft boards. There was someone that said on Twitter the other day that, I believe this guy covers the Cowboys, saying that you may want to draft Darren McFadden in the sixth or the seventh round. At that point, he's not a handcuff, like right, yep. now, like he's been for the last you know last few months. Like he wasn't even being drafted in most drafts. But Darren McFadden is someone that people kind of forget. McFadden, he finished. Did you know? Do you guys know that he finished number four in rushing yards in two thousand and fifteen? People t- people seem to forget that, and but he only scored. He th- started like ten games, right? Well, he started most of the year, but the thing is, he only scored three touchdowns, which is why he yeah. wasn't like this big stud in fantasy. That, But the Dallas Cowboys team was really hurting with Tony Romo hurt, you know, the, the backup quarterbacks yeah. playing awful, Des Bryant getting hurt. So he didn't really get many scoring opportunities. With that being said, this offense is in a very different place now with, with Dak Prescott. So if you're able to get someone like Darren McFadden when Ezekiel Elliott is being threatened to be suspended anywhere from one to six games, yeah, that's when I talk about it. You know, Jaquiz Rogers will be usable for a couple weeks. Terrence West will be usable for a couple weeks. So those are different scenarios. I think we're just talking about pure handcuffs, though. And if you're talking about pure handcuffs, you never really want to bet on an injury. I think uh, I would roster a backup running back once you get to the point where your team, you know, you're headed to the playoffs and you're just trying to lock up like James Conner is someone I'd want to roster if I had Le'Veon Bell on my team, you know, later in the season. Where would you actually draft
0: Darren McFadden? Because I don't know. I'm not I'm definitely not excited about him in the sixth or seventh, but I don't even know if he can hold off Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris is younger; he has a better career behind him. I know McFadden has a better skill set, but uh, you know, and they're saying he's probably the number two right now behind yeah.
1: Ezekiel Elliott. But I'm not willing to draft him that high if I don't even know if he's the backup running back. I think he is. I, I heard that the Cowboys were trying to trade Alfred Morris this offseason. like they were just trying to get rid of him because they don't want to carry hmm. his salary anymore. And yeah. um, I, I, I. Th- I- Pure, I think he's purely a short yardage back at this point in his career. I didn't have much faith in Alfred Morris uh, even last year. I didn't want to draft him, but looking at, at the ADP right now, where would I feel comfortable with McFadden? I'd probably draft him over guys like Jeremy Hill. Uh, and you know, Jeremy Hill's right around that number forty-nine, fifty running back range. You know, ahead of Gio Bernard, because these are guys that, you know, they're basically handcuffs anyways, and if McFadden somehow, you know, even if he gets you two games, he's going to be an RV one in those two games, so, yeah, I I guess... I, I want to say I would draft him probably inside the maybe around the 10th round is when I would probably feel comfortable drafting Derek McFadden right now, knowing what we know. Still a little bit too high for me. I
2: think that there's and tags, you kind of brought up a good point where there's a difference between saying I'm going to handcuff one of my star running backs and there's. You know, Ezekiel Elliott at this point, I mean, look, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. But I think at this point, we've all kind of assumed that it's going to be at least a couple of games suspension, right? We don't, I mean, he could get nothing. We still don't know. We still aren't sure. But everything we've heard sounds like he's going to be suspended. And you mentioned Jaquas Rogers, Terrence West, those guys are going to start. In the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? So, drafting those guys, that's totally fine, as opposed to, say, you know, someone like Connor, who frankly, we would expect that Connor will probably not have much value absent a Le'Veon Bell injury, right? I mean, he could take some goal line work and stuff like that, but Le'Veon Bell, if he's healthy, you're not going to assume, yeah, I'm going to be starting James Connor any given week exactly. absent, right? So, I think that there's a difference with that. I think my point is honestly, if I feel like drafting a guy like McFadden, I don't really think necessarily that the fact that I own Zeke or do not own Zeke is the determining factor. At that point, you're sort of like, well, if the choice is Cole Beasley, who's a guy who's not really going to do all that much and I'm fine at wide receiver and I'd rather go upside, I might draft a a guy who is, quote unquote, handcuffed, somebody like Jonathan Williams, right? If LaShawn McCoy goes down, Jonathan Williams could be a league winner or something like that. He has the upside. And so I could see wasting a late pick on stuff like that. But if I've got to spend somewhere in, you know, the seventh round, the eighth round where you still feel like you're drafting usable guys, I'm probably just going to pass. But again, the big thing for me is I'm not necessarily looking to handcuff my own guys. A guy like McFadden, he's going to have value regardless necessarily if I own Zeke. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah, I'm not worried about handcuffing my own guys at all. I mean, uh you know, if you're drafting someone in the sixth or seventh round, like a Derrick Henry, that, that's a reach for Derrick Henry even. Um But if you are, they've got to be starting for you virtually every week. And that's not McFadden. It might be McFadden for the first two weeks. Uh Maybe it happens again later in the season, but that is way, way too high. Now, you talk about James Conner. I've mentioned this strategy before where if I do my draft early enough, like not the last week before the season starts, I refuse to draft a kicker. Um, hopefully you're not playing in a kicker league, but if you are, don't draft a kicker. You can always pick up a replacement-level player who's virtually the same as the best kicker in the league on the very last second, and until then, you might as well own a backup running back for a team that loves giving tons of touches to their starting running back. If Le'Veon Bell goes down in the preseason, and it could happen. I mean, there's probably, what, 7 8% chance one starting running back is almost certainly going to go down in the preseason. If it happens to be Le'Veon Bell and you have James Conner, You get an RB1 with your last round pick. So that's where I love drafting. With that being said, I'm not drafting him in the 12th or 13th round just banking that Bell gets hurt. It's kind of just like, you know, a just-in-case thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and like, just understand that if you draft someone like that in the last round, that you you have to be okay to drop him. Exactly. I think that's the expectation here is that no, like, if you draft Aaron McFadden in, well, let's say in the 11th round, and then Ezekiel, we find out he's not suspended, you have to be okay to drop a player like that and and move on and get one of those guys that takes off in week one that we kind of didn't see coming.
0: There's a, there's a guy on our team, the fantasy pros team. We do a, a work league together and we did keepers until this year. He kept Carlos Williams last year, okay? His name's Alon, uh, hashtag heartthrob. And Alon kept Carlos Williams, and he was so stubborn about the decision he made that he kept him the entire season. I mean, if you do something like that, if you draft someone in the 11th round, you're probably going to hang on to him for a long time, even if you're a reasonable person. Um, But, you know, and if you keep someone, you're, you're going to hang on to him for a long time. But that Buffalo Bills situation, it was a great one. We ended up seeing what Mike Gillisley did. He led the NFL in yards per carry. They had 29 rushing touchdowns. And now the backup is Jonathan Williams. You alluded to him earlier, Dan. Tags, tell us what you think about Jonathan Williams. If McCoy goes down, is he going to be an RB1? And even if McCoy
1: doesn't go down... Is Jonathan Williams a flex-worthy play some weeks? That's the question, right? Is we don't know if Mike Gillisley is that special. I, we know that LaShawn McCoy is special. We know that he's like a top-tier running back. We don't know if Jonathan Williams is that guy. We don't know if he can go out there. We know and, their offensive
0: line's really special. Yes,
1: their offensive line created over two and a half yards before contact last year, which was like by far and away the best in the NFL. Now, the offense is changing. They're not going to have as many rushing attempts. I can bank on that without Rex Ryan there. So Jonathan Williams is one of those very interesting handcuffs, and I, I understand why people would want to grab him, but at the same time, he's not stealing the job from LaShawn McCoy. Like, There's a 0% chance that Jonathan Williams overtakes LaShawn McCoy as the starting running back of the team, whereas like, if you're looking at someone like Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan, it's a lot different. Even, even CJ Proceis, you look further down, uh, it's just not going to happen with LaShawn McCoy. So Jonathan Williams is, is purely a handcuff, and he falls into the category of those guys that, if I get later in the season, like let's say I'm in week 8, I'm sitting there at 6-2, and two, I know I'm going to yeah. be in the playoffs and all that? Yes, that's when I stop holding on to a a hopeful on my bench, and I snag someone like Jonathan Williams, because if for some reason something happened to LaShawn McCoy, it could destroy your team if you don't have someone to replace him, and it just so happens that Jonathan Williams would be his direct handcuff, so I do like the situation, I just don't know if we know if Jonathan Williams is talented enough to handle that situation, and and if on top of that, if Buffalo would trust him giving him, you know, 18 touches a game. So I know Tags loves DeAndre Washington, so Dan, I want to ask you about DeAndre
0: Washington or Jonathan Williams. DeAndre Washington, as you guys know, backup running back for Marshawn Lynch in Oakland. He was really good when he got a chance. Another great offensive line. I think Washington is more skilled. I prefer him by a little bit. Dan, where do you stand on these two?
2: Um, I think between the two, I would prefer uh, Jonathan Williams. And there's a couple of reasons. First, I I love the Raiders situation. I I don't know about you guys. I I mean, if possible, I will own negative shares of Marshawn Lynch this year. I am (laughs) am floored by his ADP. Tags, you and I did that expert mock a couple of weeks back. And Jake Seeley, who's great and is incredibly accurate. I think he took him in the middle of the second round. And I remember being completely... Oh, that
0: kind of changes my opinion. I I, I
2: completely agree because Jake is amazing. You know what I mean? So I was like... But this has always sort of stuck out to me as, like, a PR stunt. Do you know his jersey is the top-selling jersey right now in all of the NFL? (laughs) The Marshawn Lynch Oakland Raiders jersey. So it's always just seemed weird. Anyway, so I, I don't really expect much from Marshawn Lynch. So that being said, it is a great situation. The Raiders have a great line. But here's the thing. Is it DeAndre Washington? Or is it Jalen Rashard? I mean, last year, right, Washington averaged seven and a half touches per game and 24 touches in the two games that Latavius Murray missed. Jalen Rashard, he averaged seven touches a game and 20 in the two games that he missed. So basically, they were an exact handcuff situation. They're kind of similar backs. You know, they're smaller and they're decent pass catchers. Now, my guess would be of the two guys, I'd probably prefer Washington. But if Marshawn Lynch went down... Then I think it would be closer to a 50 50 split. Whereas in Buffalo, I'm pretty Great sure point. you know that if, if McCoy went down, and he obviously has been nicked up a lot. Um, that it's just going to be Jonathan Williams, and that's great. And the other thing about Williams is, look, the last two seasons, both Carlos Williams and Mike Gillisley, they finished as top 36 running backs on the season, and they were top 10 in the games that McCoy missed entirely. Now, obviously, Tags, you alluded to it, it's a little bit of a different game because Rex Ryan and his ground and pound, you know, it's not there anymore, but it still is, (laughs) obviously. You know, it's a great line, absolutely. I I like um, Jonathan Williams. You know, I feel like casual owners see that he was third on the draft, Uh, in the depth chart, and he was a six-round draft pick, but he missed his entire senior year at Arkansas. That's the only reason why he went that late in the draft. And from what I've seen of him, and again, I'm not, you know, a scout and I haven't seen that. He he barely played last year, but he kind of strikes me as a good fit for Rick Dennison's offense. You know, they got the zone blocking scheme that he used to run with the Texans and the Broncos. He's got good vision. He's got patience. I think he'd be a monster if McCoy went down. And frankly, as we saw with Gillisley, and I don't know if they'll do the same thing this year, but they, they didn't like to give McCoy that much goal line work. You know, he's injury prone a little bit. He's getting older. So Williams could be valuable even without it. So for me, Williams is kind of my top guy of all these quote-unquote handcuffs. And although I like DeAndre Washington a lot, Richard's presence just kind of makes me move off him.
1: Yeah, I think I think both of you guys are right in the fact, like like Bobby, you started talking about DeAndre Washington. You know, hearing Dan talk about uh, Jonathan Williams, it's funny. Even before Dan said anything, like all those points that he said are correct, and that's the thing you can't just dis- you can't dispute that. I uh, I redid my projections yesterday. I kind of went through all the teams and looked at it again. And as much as I like DeAndre Washington, there is no guarantee that he would be the direct handcuff. That he would all of a sudden get seventy percent of the touches. You know, like we wanted him to. Jalen Richard is a guy that saw thirty nine targets last year compared to. Washington. Washington's twenty three, so is like Washington being a smaller guy. They didn't even use him as much in the passing game, so there are concerns there. I think DeAndre yeah. Washington happens to be more talented, which is why I think that I've, I've put him in the lottery ticket more often than not. And you know, talking about a Raiders team that's going to have game scripts that are probably going to fit what his skill set does. Whereas Jonathan Williams and the Bills, their defense is definitely gone in reverse. I don't think that their team's going to be very good this year. That's my concerns there. But I think I'm with Dan in the fact that Jonathan. Williams, I probably would if I was forced to pick between the two just because he is the clear cut one and I don't think they have any other choice in terms of their death chart, whether I mean to go to Jonathan Williams, I don't think they have a choice, whereas the Raiders, it would be it would come down to Washington or Richard or, you know, the worst of all possible scenarios that they split the time load. So uh, I, I, I agree with Dan, but at the same time I think they're both extremely close for me.
0: I'm with Dan too. I mean, I know I said DeAndre Washington, but he swept me in the name that player game, so I just have to admit I'm an inferior <laughs> being.
2: Now, honestly, I think the thing with Williams is that Gillisley, I, I don't know, like tag two, of two. I really don't know how good Mike Gillisley is. I have no idea. I'm certainly not as high on him this year going in, but that's really more for Patriots uh, reasons. But for me, look, Williams is a guy who I feel like frankly in a pinch you're going to be able to flex him during bye weeks and stuff like that regardless of if mccoy is healthy or not and i don't think the same can be said necessarily for deandre washington unless lynch is injured so for me that's kind of the tiebreaker and of all the handcuffs i think williams is honestly the guy who i would most want to own because i really do think he could be a difference maker if there is an injury
0: now i've got two more handcuffs for you guys before we move on to talk about auction drafts and these two aren't as exciting I loved Ryan Matthews last year. He's always been super efficient. I know he has fumble issues. I know he has concussion issues and just can't stay on the field. But if Blunt gets hurt, I mean, Ryan Matthews behind that offensive line could still be really good. And there's only so many backup running backs who could be an RB1. I actually think
1: Matthews is one of them. So hold on. I want to stop this right here because if Ryan Matthews is on the Eagles come opening day, Ryan Matthews should be starting over Legarrette Blunt. I don't think he's a handcuff. I think Legarrette. I think so too. I think Blunt is the one that needs to be coming off the bench. Yeah. And it's it's really odd to see that Ryan Matthews hasn't been cut because I know that a lot of people have been expecting that to happen for quite some time. But there was something I saw the other day as they're waiting. It's going to be cheaper for them to cut him later on. But at the same time, Legarrette Blunt has openly said to the media, he said, "I don't know what my role is on this team." He basically just went to whatever team wanted him that that would pay him anything because nobody wanted Legarrette Blunt, and I think it's for good. Reason reason. I'm not a big LeGarrette Blunt fan. Like I said, if Ryan Matthews is on the Eagles roster, in week one. I am not drafting LeGarrette Blunt anywhere near the top 30. And Ryan Matthews, even, it's a little bit cloudier because they're back. They have so many running backs there now. It's tough to even say that he would be top 30. So honestly, I'm probably avoiding that backfield altogether, even though they have a great offensive line. They do. Yeah. But I think you're right, though. I think you're right. It's going to be extremely difficult. I looked through that with Ryan Matthews last year before he was even hurt in the first 10 games of the season. There were six games where he saw fewer than 10 carries. And that was with a healthy Ryan Matthews. They were they were sharing the workload between I think it was Kenjin Barner it was Wendell Smallwood it was Darren Sproles and now they added Donnell Pumphrey and LeGarrette Blunt to steal goal line touches now there's better wide receivers and it is a mess I don't think Doug Peterson knows what he's doing
0: I'll tell you what though the Philadelphia Eagles have a great team I'm actually going to pick them to win the NFC East over the Cowboys this year
1: no uh, the Giants I'll go I'm definitely saying I, yeah I the Giants are good yeah, too. I that's a good division yeah I don't think the the Cowboys are going to be very good this year I, I will go on record as saying that I yeah I, I like their offense I like the steps they've taken but they've neglected that defense they just let a couple players walk and yep. um, yeah it's not looking good for the Cowboys
0: all right Dan so Ryan Matthews we talked about and also Marlon Mack also behind uh one of these older bigger slow running backs Frank Gore so who do you prefer between these two Marlon Mack I think could take over the job Ryan Matthews has a big ceiling, but is he even going to be on an NFL roster?
2: Yeah, between the two of them, I'll probably take neither. You know, it, it really <laughs> neither. guy. I mean, I, honestly, I feel like we're going to be doing this podcast in 2023. And we're going to be like, you know, I, I, you know, I know Frank Gore rushed for a thousand yards last year, but I, I think this is the year he falls <laughs> off the table. You know what I mean? The dude never dies. But even if he did um, get hurt or really fully declined, I mean, Robert Turbin is still there right? And there's buzz about him somehow this offseason. They, they love him. And he had seven scores last year. He knows the offense. Mac's a great athlete. He had the great combine. But I think he's much more of a future guy. For now, if you're forcing me to, to draft one of them, it would probably be Mac. just because, frankly, I'll be totally shocked if Matthews is still on the Eagles once he can pass physical. I mean, I think that, they, you know,
0: I think he'll actually end up with the Texans. Yes. You know, based on what's going on with Foreman, because they need a backup running back. Alfred Blue, I don't think is the guy. Matthews could be a good fit there behind Lamar Miller. Yeah.
2: You know, if he does go to Houston, that's right. That's kind of, of sort of the first team that popped into my head that he might be able to go. I'd like him a lot better there. I mean, Tags talked about it. The Eagles have so many running backs at this point, so I really would be not interested in him. Basically at all if he went to the Eagles if you went to Houston and he was sort of backing up Lamar Miller who gets nicked up all the time and he might you know maybe he could have more
0: role there I might prefer him but me I'm not targeting and they're not going to cut him the next time yeah, right. I and mean, Eagles fans are mad at Ryan Matthews Texans fans don't really probably know yeah. much about yeah, it yeah exactly well either way I don't really like either guy I mean
2: that you know Marlon Mack I, you know we always I feel like fantasy owners generally we like kind of the unknown rather than the known and Ryan Matthews is kind of a known quantity he's good he's talented but you know he, he we don't think of him as a superstar. Whereas Marlon Mack, you know, obviously in that offense, we think, wow, if he took over, but I, I don't think he's going to. So between the two, I'd take Mack. But again, that's me sort of assuming that Ryan Matthews is going to get cut and land somewhere as a pure backup.
0: So Mack's going about number 50 right now for running backs. Let's say we find out news that Andrew Luck actually is going to miss a significant amount of time. I mean, he's still not throwing the ball. It's it's something I don't want to deal with. But you think if Andrew Luck's gone, it's worse it's for worse, the running backs? 100%. Mm-hmm okay
1: I think they slow I think they slow down the offense if they if they don't have luck they slow down the offense and therefore it's better for had Frank Gore and Robert Turbin where it's like this entire offseason the only reason I've been banging the drum for Marlon Mack is because he is lightning in a bottle am I saying that he's the most talented running back no but what I'm saying is that he fits the offense and what they should be doing the Colts should not be a team that's trying to win running the ball and and playing defense that's not the team that the Colts are if
0: Andrew Luck's gone they might as well go for the number one overall pick yeah no it's true
1: (laughs) they need to know their identity and that that's the thing with the Colts is like if they know their identity they know that they're a bad defense that they need to build it up I know that they're trying to start doing that but it's not going to happen in year one they need to understand their strengths and Frank Gore unfortunately he fits a team with a control style ball like a team that wants to run the football they want to manage the clock they want to eat it and they can stop teams on defense that's what Frank Gore is for that's arguably what Robert Turbin is for too and and Turbin's been getting hyped this offseason saying he's going to have a bigger role this year because he earned it and I can't disagree I like Turbin. he was really Really good on the goal line last year. And I think, regardless, Marlon Mack's not going to have the goal line work. Uh, But he is lightning in the bottle. He's a guy that could play in the no huddle offense. You'll live with his inefficiencies in between the tackles in order to take advantage of what he can do, what Frank Gore can't do. Frank Gore cannot break an 80 yard run. He can't catch a pass out of the backfield for 60 yards right now. Marlon Mack can do that every single week. He gives you that upside. So For me, if Luck's there, I think Mac needs to find his way into the field. They need to put him on the field uh, and kind of find out what they have there. And then, you know, if Luck's not there, just light the Colts on fire.
0: Okay, guys, auction drafts. I love auction drafts. If you guys haven't done an auction draft before, I know it takes a long time, but it is the absolute most fun part about fantasy sports, in my opinion. I love trading, but auction drafts—they take the cake. Um, So. I guess what I want to ask, Dan, you've written extensive articles on auction draft strategy. I want to pick your brain on how you prepare for auction drafts.
2: Yeah, sure. So I, I feel like I kind of divide it into three steps. One is I create my values. The second is I divide my players into tiers. And the third is I create a spending plan for the auction. So, I mean, in baseball, because it's a rotisserie format and stuff like that, I feel like your your auction values have to be precise, and I, I never go over those values. I don't know about you guys, but for me in a fantasy football auctions, the, the values that I come up with are much more of a guide. Um, I, I'm not sort of married to them. Absolutely. I'm
0: strict, strict to it. I will not pass I'm it. I'm not
2: going to do that in, in fantasy football because I feel like I've been to fantasy football auctions that are just completely bananas. You know what I mean? You, you go in there and we'll probably talk about it later, but every auction is different. And I feel like I'm not going to be somebody who's just going to hang out because you cannot afford to completely miss on the top. 20 or 25 players you're going to have to be able to be a little flexible but uh, honestly at this point and we're all super busy we all do stuff i do my own projections at this point. But for the most part, when I'm doing auctions, because I do a lot of them, I do use the Fantasy Pro's auction calculator. And it's mostly because I assume that Bobby's had tons of input into it. And Bobby is super nerdy. And I feel like so there's enough of nerdness (laughs) that goes in them that I feel like I can trust them. But again, I kind of yeah, you're welcome, buddy. I I think I kind of cross reference them with my own sort of projections. And they're usually pretty close because it uses consensus projections. But anyway, you can do them yourself. But it takes uh, a long time and create your own auction. So anyway, you got to have auction values that you kind of feel trusted If you put in your own link settings, then I do tiers where you just basically obviously take similar caliber players in the same position group and you kind of break them down by tiers. That's important. Obviously, it's however you feel kind of uh, the cutoffs are. And it's important. You know, it helps guide your auction, helps you know when to go that extra dollar, when to back off. You can feel comfortable with the prices. If you know if you see what David Johnson's going for, you can feel pretty confident. You know what Le'Veon Bell is going to go for and stuff like that and your spending plan. And for me, this is always the most important thing. I mean, you need your values and you need your tiers. You've got to have a spending plan, break it down by position. You can't be married to it, right? Okay, so last year I had a league buying two running backs – I divided up. I said, I think I'm going to go in planning to spend $60 on running backs based on previous prices. I said, you know, I'll, I'll spend about $40 on one and 20 on the other based on that. But in the end, things kind of happened. And I spent 27 on one and 28 on the other, which meant I took that extra $5 and I moved it over to wide receivers and stuff like that. I always do an Excel spreadsheet with formulas. So if I have a 38 and a 22 plan for my running backs, which total 60 but then I spend $50 on my top running back. I know automatically by just putting in 50 instead of the 38, I'm $12 over my current budget if I keep my same spending plan. And that allows me to sort of adjust it on the fly just to make sure that my total budget is always equaling 200. So essentially, it's three steps. Create your values, create your tiers, and then build a spending plan going in. That, to me, again, is kind of the most critical part.
1: Tex, what do you do to plan, man? So I think you touched on a lot of it. I I am different in the fact that I don't hold myself to anything in regards to position-wise. I don't go in saying I want to spend so much per position because I think that's almost like going into a snake draft and saying that I want to do the zero RB strategy or I want to do a different strategy. Like, I don't ever do that. I I just go in looking for value, and I think the best way to do that is to practice. And the people that don't like auction draft are, are the people that aren't really that into fantasy football. And I hate to say it that way, But but the reason that people that the diehards love auctions is because you must come prepared like you cannot wing it like you do in a snake draft. Like I can show up to if someone invited me to a draft right after the show and I didn't even have my cheat sheet, I could just go and I could be fine. I could just draft a team. Mm -hmm. and I'd be okay. I cannot do that in an auction. You have to have the values of players like readily available. And, you know, there's there's so many different cheat sheets you can go out there and you really have to know your league settings. You really have to know, you know, the salary cap. And your league mates. So for me, what I do is, and I know it's self promotion here, but I used it before I, I worked for Fantasy Pros. So I can, I honestly say that the Draft Wizard is the best thing to practice with because it's the greatest thing yes. in the whole world. Greater than hot sauce soup? Uh, well, anything's better than that, but it's better than a lot of things. I, I think we can agree on that. Uh, where you can go in there and mess with your auction values. Like I know, so Brad Evans invited me into one of his leagues last year, and it was a, it was an industry like auction league, and. It was a two quarterback one and I didn't do too very many two quarterback leagues. So I was like, man, I really need to practice. So I went in and I like I finessed the this cheat sheet where I had the values down. I loved it. I was doing mock drafts and I was ending up with a team that I wanted because I had these values in place. And yeah. And so I, I I nailed that draft like i I dominated it. I ended up losing a couple players, but I finished third in that league, um, but I knew I nailed the draft because I was down the values but my basic my tips that I would say, if you really want a player, you have your list, you know your values, if you really want a, a player, be willing to pay a few extra dollars maybe but I never go higher than maybe three or five bucks over uh, just because you have to know your limit. Don't be too protective of your money because you don't want to have money left over at the end and think, damn, I could have got that guy if I would have spent one more dollar. That's why you always say, you know, I'm willing to go three over if I really, really want a guy because that draft that I was talking about, it started and I threw up Aaron Rodgers. I thought people were going to overpay. It was a two quarterback league and I had my value on him and I think I had it set at like forty one dollars, something like that. And I put him up for auction. I ended up getting him for, I think it was 31. And I was like, oh, I was like wow. Man. You've got to like, be kidding no. me. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, did I, did I overpay? Did I get this cheat sheet wrong? Are they, am I wrong? And then next up, I nominated Cam Newton because I, I was like, someone's going to overpay. I don't even like Cam. I got him for like $27. And he was like 35 on my list. So I was like, hmm. And then as the draft went on, people started to realize kind of what happened. Someone paid... Uh, I want to say it was like Carson Palmer. They paid like 27, which was like the same price that I got Cam wow. Newton for. So it was Cam like, Newton was the number one QB last year. No, he was well going into the well, season. Well, <laughs> right, right. He was supposed to be, but I wasn't willing to pay that. But it just goes to show if you have your values, trust them. Trust yep. your values. And if and if you're like, wow, nobody's like around me taking these players, you're going to see it happen later in the draft. And there's a lot more to to auctions. I know we're gonna try and talk about as much as we can, but. That's my general thing is just go in with a strategy like a cheat sheet and understand that you can vary off that, but trust it and and the reason then the only way that you can trust it is if you practice and you practice and you 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 get it to the point where you know your cheat sheet is good yeah I,
0: I love a lot of the things you said um, I, I disagree with you guys a little bit like you say you can go three to five dollars over I build that into my dollar system so I'm not willing to go one dollar over that. And when you do that, um, when you're disciplined, you get a lot of values and and you like the way your team looks. But uh, we'll just agree to disagree there. That's not that big of a deal. I mentioned the the draft wizard. I love using the draft wizard. That is virtually all I do to prepare for auction drafts. I mean, if you do an auction draft, it usually takes three, sometimes five hours, depending Mm -hmm. on who you're drafting with and if it's an event. Now, it's an all-day event. It's a great thing. But when you do a mock draft, You can go on one of these other websites and do an auction mock draft. We're talking three hours again. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But if you use the draft wizard, I can breeze through one of these things in 15 minutes. I can do two of them over lunch. You know what I mean? The Mm -hmm. more practice you get with these bad boys, the better. Because people are going to show up and they're going to be surprised about how everyone's going. If you've gone into your draft and you've done 20 mock drafts, You know exactly what's going to happen, and Draft Wizard does a great job of simulating that. So it's one of the best things on
1: our site is this auction mock
0: draft simulator.
1: Yeah. What else helps though too is to keep track of everyone else's spending. Like some people underestimate that. If you're doing a live auction draft, bring your laptop and set up the Draft Wizard because you can link it to your live. You can sync it. Yes, you can sync it to your live draft, and that's exactly what I did in Brands league. Is so that I was able to see like you're like okay these positions are gone. This person has this much money, and what it does it automatically keeps track of the max bid that someone can have for a player while filling all of their roster slots. And it's it's so helpful. Like I said, if you don't, it's hard to, to get this all to come across over a podcast, but if you go in there and you check it out, you will be more prepared than ever for a, an auction draft. And on top of that, you're going to be ready draft day because you could sync it right up with your draft.
2: And the one other thing I'll say about the, the sort of practicing with the auctions is that it allows you kind of to see how you like to build your team best. Because if you're not that familiar with auctions mm-hmm. you might not know you know what i mean you might be the type of person who needs to spend huge on a couple of first round players and you like the way your team comes up better like that you might be someone who doesn't buy someone for the first you know 36 nominations and kind of goes mm-hmm. all late so that's sort of also because you can do it so quickly it allows you to try a number of different strategies in advance so again practice is always the best thing mocking is always one of the best things so obviously we all have a little bit of different way of going about it so i agree just sort of practice as much as you can
0: So I've got a few random tips for you guys here and I want you guys to chip in your ideas as well. Um, when I'm bringing up players in the draft, do not waste an opportunity. You look at who's in your draft. Okay. They're all Bengals fans. Bring up AJ Green. Bring up Andy Dalton early because you know that they're going to overspend on those players. You know, bring up Marshawn Lynch because he's a popular player and he'll go for a lot more than he's worth. Don't waste your chance to get people To spend over their value because that means you're going to get undervalue with the remaining players. That makes a lot of sense, right? For sure.
1: Yeah. No. I I I like the idea of going down our list. So I have like a a list of tips because I wanted to I wanted to at least get these out in the podcast um, just so that we so if someone's going to an auction draft for the first time, you could know the my. Like, so I say we just go down the line, we each say a tip and go through until we don't have any more. Sounds good. So I say do not go there to do anything but draft. Like if you're on site, you are there to draft. Like you party afterwards. Do not yep. get drunk. Like, don't do it. Like, a lot of people want to be like, oh, I want to have a few beers. We're just having a good time. Just draft and then worry about that afterwards.
2: I think my my overall number one tip is don't panic. Auctions are crazy. If you haven't done them before, uh, or if you've only done one or two, they're nuts. First, things are going to be different from your last auction. For sure. Then guys are going to go for way more than you expected. You're going to miss out on a deal every once in a while. You're going to think you've won a player only to have the auctioneer saying so, and then have somebody jump in and steal it from you. Take a <laughs> breath. It's no big deal things like that honestly because you can you know to use a poker term you can go on tilt um a little bit if you're not careful and so the biggest thing is just always to relax don't panic even when things seem like they're going off
0: the rails and one of the things about the don't panic i mean first of all don't be afraid to be embarrassed because everyone's going to be there they're going to be seeing your bids and there's going to be comments about virtually every pick and you might think it's personal but it's just the fun of of the auction draft so you know don't don't be afraid to be embarrassed but i'll say this You're going to be super embarrassed if you get in bidding wars, you know, trying to drive up someone's price and you get stuck with someone you want. Don't be the guy. Somebody else is going to do it. So what if, you know, three of your league mates get a really nice value on a player that doesn't really fit your needs? Don't be the guy that's bidding them up because you are going to ruin your entire roster and you're going to be thinking about that the whole
1: season. For sure. For sure. One of my rules is uh, the first player you nominate, put up someone you don't want. You want to gauge the draft like that's yep. basically what it comes down to you're going to learn in the first couple picks like how people are spending their money because if you put up someone that you don't want to start like let's say that you know so bring up Amari Cooper well, Bobby would bring up Amari Cooper I'd bring up Keenan Allen and I want to see you know how people are, are spending their money and if like because that's the thing is people are timid at the beginning that's when you're able to steal values because some people are like oh I won't bid on the third, first 15 players that are auctioned yeah.
0: it's always one way or the other they always go crazy exactly. at the beginning or they're super timid
1: exactly exactly so I that's my I, I always bring up someone I don't want at the start i just want to gauge the crowd
2: so i actually it's, it's kind of a tip but it, it goes along with that because i do feel like who you nominate is always kind of this topic of discussion where some people are like well the main thing you want to do when you nominate players at any point in the auction is just to get money off the table right and i think that that is partially yeah. true right if you know you're not going after one of the top running backs for example that's just not kind of what you are unless they're a great value then go ahead and get them out there let people spend their money if you have your quarterback position locked up and you want to get others like mm-hmm. uh, tags were just saying with cam newton you what I mean? throw it out and frankly if you're in a two quarterback league you might get a value in something like that but there are plenty of times i don't know about you guys where i'm nominating guys that i actually want i remember last year i was in an auction and i kind of was like all right i i kind of expected to go after a second tier running back and at that point the only one that was left was Lashawn McCoy. So when it came up, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, should I nominate other players to get them to spend money so people have less money to go after LaShawn McCoy? That's fine. But what if when it comes up to LaShawn McCoy, somebody is there and he really wants LaShawn McCoy and then it's going to go for $20 over what I had him valued. And in the meantime, I've been passing on values that I could have had. Exactly. At wide you, you want to know. Exactly.
0: You want to know before it gets so too late. So I think,
2: you know, to the extent we want to call this a tip, I think what it is is sort of really be aware of who is left and who is not and sort of what you're looking at going forward. And when you know there are times you're going to need to nominate somebody that you want, don't be afraid to do that. Don't always just try to nominate somebody who you don't want to get money off the table and stuff like that. There are plenty of times where at some point you've got to know who you're going to have on your team, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people get into the thing of, I'm just going to pass up, oh, that's a great value, but you know what? I don't really want that. You know, I'm going to get Doug Martin later. I want Doug Martin, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Yeah. It takes one guy in your league who really wants Doug Martin, and suddenly passing on Mark Ingram, who happened to go for $6 in your auction, because you're like, oh, I really want Doug Martin for 10 That might not look so good. So again, nominate people at
0: some point who you want. All right, guys, this one kind of piggybacks off of what Tags already said about the uh, they don't drink at your draft. Don't eat at your draft. Don't be the guy with, you know, eating chicken wings at your draft and pizza and not really paying attention. If you're not focusing on the draft, you're not doing it right. And again, I mean, this might be a little too much, but seriously, like, go poop before your draft starts. (laughs) Because if you're leaving when you're doing that and they're like, well, we'll just bring someone up or whatever – You know, there's always one guy in a draft room who's like, well, I got to go do this. And then he misses out on something. You know what I mean? It's it's not worth it. Auction drafts are long. You got to be prepared. It's like if you're running a cross country race what are you going to do before you draft you're going to go to the restroom take care of business
2: <laughs> i feel like i feel like you should write like an article saying like wear an adult diaper to your auction like you could headline it with that <laughs> be like look you oh, gotta God. pull out all the stops man this is an auction all right it's not for kids let's go let's do it
1: <laughs> that's too funny well that that, that that point bobby though some people actually say that they get up and walk away if they're getting anxious or you know if they're feeling that they'll like they'll walk away and like for 15 minutes and i'm like i don't i i would i disagree with that i wouldn't want to do that. I don't think you should ever get up because you could be missing out on extreme value that comes up during that point. But I guess my next tip would be don't wait until the end of a tier to grab a player. You know, like everybody knows who the top six wide receivers are, like, you know, like how, how they round them out. But if you wait until that sixth one people are going to overpay for the last one because like well this is the last of the bunch you typically don't want to be at the beginning but you also don't want to be at the end uh, i think where you can get the most value in drafts are like the second tier guys like i wrote it in my article for the baltimore ravens I, I did like a player profile for their entire backfield and i said that getting dixon and west may be a great strategy in redraft because you can get both of them for like extremely cheap in a in a in an auction you could lock up Dixon and West for probably half the price of someone like LeGarrette Blunt, And with that, yeah. you're going to have a starting running back every single week, regardless of who it is starting. Yeah,
2: no, that's a good one too. I guess my next one would be don't leave money on the table. I mean, it's kind of the cardinal sin of auction leagues outside of keeper leagues, of course, because it's something like if you can get guys for cheaper. That's great. But for the most part, I, I mean, I, if you've left money, on the table at the end of your auction, maybe a dollar fine, whatever. But if you've done that, then you've probably done something wrong. That's kind yes. of what you're, you can't take it with you, okay? You got to go out there, and I know it feels weird, kind of just sort of, all right, whatever. Spend your money. Like, definitely do it. When you leave, you want to have zero dollars, yeah. and you want to feel good about it.
0: Yeah. And hey, by the way, Dan, you mentioned uh, the keepers and yeah. everything. The auction draft wizard actually syncs with keeper league. So you can, you know, put in mm-hmm. your keeper values and it tells you how much people are worth. It's a really cool awesome. uh, addition. Um Now I've got one more tip that's worth mentioning and this one isn't as important, but I found it to be useful and I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but I-, I actually did this as a joke the first time, but I do it every single auction draft from now on. I wear a suit and a tie when I go to an auction draft because it gets people off their game just a little bit. They think you're joking around and it intimidates them a little thinking that you're, uh, you know, being really serious. And then I'm the guy that's t- trash talking and making fun of them. Like if I'm, if I'm prepared enough, I don't have to pay as close of attention because I can trash talk people and throw them off their game. Because like you said, Dan, people are prone to panic. And if you're the guy that's trash talking them, I mean, they're uh, you know they're falling into uh, these bidding wars and all kinds of stuff like that. Man, I feel
2: like tags and I are all given like crazy stuff, and you're like, look, wear a diaper and then wear a suit, and you're good to go in an auction, right? Like that. <laughs> those are the Bobby Sylvester fantasy auction tips. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. That's I I don't know if I have anything else to go on top of that. I think one thing I would say um don't be the nominee. Like don't be the person calling out the values. You guys should always have someone that's not in your draft doing that. Uh, just because that that allows you to focus on the draft. And yeah, uh, one more is that if you're. So let's say that you're a person that likes defenses. So so let's say that let's throw out the Broncos. You know, they're probably the number one defense going off boards this year. If you want, throw them out for two bucks at the start of the draft. Because because the thing is, most people will go from a dollar to go to two dollars for a defense, but not many people will go up to three dollars. So if you just put it at two dollars, you know what I mean? Because if someone goes from one to two, you're not going to want to go to three. If you started at two, then you can actually end up turning out. You get the best defense for two bucks. Outside of that, though, if you I mean, don't do that with kickers. No, I agree. (laughs) I agree. Kickers are. Yeah, like Bobby said you don't even need to draft one like I actually agree with that strategy is that you don't need to get one but if you don't get that top tier defense don't worry about it that means somebody else spent three bucks on them and you can stream your defenses like we do every year but um, there are just a few defenses that I would consider that with but it's just uh, I always found it interesting if you throw out two dollars you'll get them whereas if you did it for a dollar you probably won't.
2: I actually love that tip. That That's a really, really good tip. My last one, and I think it's a little more kind of like it, it's probably should have been brought up earlier. I mean, you heard Tags and I kind of, you know, do it differently in terms of how we approach. I like to break down my spending plan by position as opposed to, you know, Tags goes in there and just says, I'm just going to get the values wherever they come to me. And that's fine. And again, to, to be clear, I mean, breaking it down by position. I I never spend what I come in there intending to spend. You know what I mean? That's just sort of a guideline for how I'm going to do And I'm constantly moving money around. But regardless, I think we'd all probably agree, do not necessarily get married to a player. Don't go in there and say, no matter what, I'm getting out of here with David Johnson, no matter what, because again... It takes one guy, one other guy in your auction to say, you know what? I'm getting out of here with David Johnson. And the next thing you know, you're yeah, spending yeah. 80 bucks, uh, you know, of a $200 budget or whatever you want or hundred bucks. So, I mean, it's fine if you want to target a certain player, if you think that's right, but just don't get married to it. It, it over above all, be flexible.
0: You know what I mean? Just, just keep yeah. your options open. And and don't tell your league mates like before the draft, man, I just love Antonio Brown so much. I remember there was one guy who did this the year that Antonio Brown was this big sleeper and everyone thought he was going to break out. And it was the year that he broke out. And he was telling all his friends, man, I just love Antonio Brown this year. And everyone bit him up. It was hilarious. So he ended up going for like twice the value he should have. And it, it worked out for him, but sometimes that doesn't really work out. Yeah.
2: In case it's that's not obvious, don't give away your strategy before the auction. That that, that should be a pretty yeah. obvious one, so make sure you don't do that. People
1: get so excited about it, they do it anyway, though, even though it's obvious. Yeah. For sure. And that, I mean, I think... After all these tips that we've talked about, and there's more that you can, you, you obviously can learn about auctions and stuff like that. But it really does come down to if you want to be good in an auction, you practice and you will be. Like, you can't fail an auction yep. draft if you prepare for it. And that's the thing. Some people will walk in there and thinking, Oh, I know everything about football. I could just walk in and do it. No, you can't. Like, because I'm telling you, I can't. Unless you wear a suit. I couldn't even do it. Bobby might be able to in his suit and diaper, but I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys,
0: before we end this show, I've got three strategies that people sometimes use, and uh, I'm not super fond of any of these strategies. There's one I'm more prone to, uh, to consider. I want to see what you guys think about these strategies, okay? One of them is that you should hoard your money until people run out so you can be a bully and just get whoever you want. The other one, you get three stars and 12 scrubs. So I'm talking like you can get three of the top six players in the draft, and then the rest of them are just like replacement level guys. It's a really interesting strategy. That's the one that tempts me because I've seen it work before. I've never been bold enough to do it, but it's it's really fun. The other one, I mean, this one kind of makes sense too, but eh, I don't know. I'd feel so sick to my stomach if my roster looked like this. Stars tend to go above their value. I mean, the auction calculator will tell you what the value is. And we're talking Le'Veon Bell's going to go $15 more than his value. In a, in a league with $200 to spend, that's a ton of wasted money. So the strategy is you don't get any of the top 15 players. Instead, you just load up with like eight third to fifth round type of players and your team is just stacked, but you don't have any stars. Guys, what do you feel
1: about these three strategies? Do any of them make sense to you, Tags? Not really. Um, like I said, I mean, I think that's what—that's the best part of auctions, right? Is that you get to go in and you get to get any player you want. So, why pigeonhole yourself into a strategy? You know what I mean? So, like, for me, no. I mean, I know there's the stars and scrubs idea and all that. And if that's the way my roster works out, because nobody was, like, if I have Le'Veon Bell for $52 on my sheet, and then I have David Johnson for 40 nine and nobody wants to match me on those i'm gonna end up stars and scrubs just because that's just what what happened to me but at the same time i'm not gonna go in saying to myself like you know like i said pigeonholing yourself into a strategy um that's the nice part about auctions though is that in redraft right now like in a snake in a snake draft there's like a dead zone in rounds four and five which is why i'd be okay taking aaron Rodgers in the fourth round but you don't have to do that in an auction. You don't have to say, I don't want any of those players. I'd rather just wait on John yeah. Brown. That's why I love auctions. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh I think for me, I, I kind of agree with Tags that none of them. Uh, You know what? Again, I, I don't usually go in with a specific sort of strategy. I do think that hoarding your money for the end b- makes probably the least sense because, frankly, y- you're not going to trade a second round pick for, you know, 6 10th round picks. You know what I mean? Like, if you're the guy at the end of the auction who's like, ha ha, I have more money. I can buy whichever one of these scrubs I want. Your team probably hasn't turned out that well. And Stars and Scrubs, again, it it might work out that way. It's fine. But I usually feel like the guy, for the most part, who who winds up with David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, they almost never are the guys who go for the discounts anyway. You know what I mean? Like you said, Bobby, they usually go for $10 or $15 more than they're actually worth. So those guys don't usually wind up having—you can do that. You've just got to be—number one, you have to completely avoid injury, and number two, you've got to be really good on the waiver wire. So, I mean, it could work. Among those three, to the extent there is one that I find a little more appealing, it actually would be avoiding the top 15 players, and I don't really do that. I feel like I find myself more generally getting guys in the back end of the first round, and that's just sort of how it works out. That's where I find the deals are. but. I mean, you know, you do need some studs, but if you get like a ton of third rounders and stuff like that, and your whole team from top to bottom, there are literally no holes. I think it could be workable. But I think in the end, the bottom line is, as I said, there's no strategy that wins. There's no strategy that doesn't win. Just leave yourself open and see how your auction kind of plays out. You know?
0: I remember back in the day, some guy got Sean Alexander, Priest Holmes, and Marshall Falk. Those were his two running backs and his flex play, and It's like, seriously, how do you beat that? I mean, if we're talking about David Johnson... Le'Veon Bell and then your your number one wide receiver. and let's say you get Aaron Rodgers as well and then your number one receivers like Quincy Inunua you've got Mike Wallace uh Pierre Garcon all, all these guys who are like decent you know they're gonna get touches I think I'd still feel pretty good about my roster if I had Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson and Aaron Rodgers yeah
2: I mean I'm sure you probably would the thing is what's weird is that I feel like the guys who wind up having these completely stacked rosters and optionally it's always because they happened to get, you know, DeMarco Murray. You know what I mean? I remember uh, three years ago, uh, you know, I, I sort of yeah. missed out on the big running backs and I wound up with marshawn lynch and demarco murray who were sort of like the back end sort of things and both those guys were completely unstoppable that year but it's i didn't pay for them as you paid for the top guys i feel like for the most part the really truly like elite rosters they always come in where you get the guys that people aren't expecting to be these utterly dominant studs and it works out the guys who go in there and pay for those things and then have sort of like the one dollar rest of the team i feel like their teams never work out quite as well
0: that's a great point all right, guys. Well, that's all we have for today's show. I want to say uh, thanks again to Dan for coming on. It was awesome talking about auctions with you. You just have so much insight on it. And uh, thank you for also humiliating me. Oh, you it. are welcome. <laughs> Frankly, I'll come back and do that anytime. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I also want to say thank you to the sponsors of today's show, RT Sports.com and pristineauction.com. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. And for all the ratings and reviews, it's just been awesome having all your support. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football.
1: I just wanted you to watch me just so